Hi, welcome to the Lakeside Church Weekend Messages podcast. My name is Jacob. I'm a creative arts protege here at Lakeside, and I'm super excited that you're listening with us. I want to take a quick second to let you know how Lakeside is responding to COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus. We believe that we are called to be carriers of hope and courage during times like these, and we are also called to respect our governing bodies as Christ followers. Our government has asked us to postpone our gatherings as we respond globally to COVID-19, and so we've decided to pre-record some of our gatherings so we can still worship together at home. This feed will still only feature the message portion of the gatherings, but if you want to experience our gatherings in full while you're at home, we will be live streaming them at our normal service times on the weekends, and you'll be able to watch past weekends if you missed a gathering on our website. You can find links for these videos and updated information about everything we as a church are doing to respond to COVID-19 at lakesidechurch.com and on our Facebook page. We love you, and we are super excited to see you all again soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. I'm so glad you're with us. I'm so grateful for our band leading us to worship Christ together today, and I'm grateful for you showing up here online with us. I wish we could be together. I wish we could shake hands together. I wish we could hug one another. I miss you. I love you. I hope you're thriving in the midst of the chaos that's going on around us. But we're going to spend some time together in Scripture, and we're going to lean into God's heart together and find faith in Him and find confidence in Him and allow Him to give us His grace and peace. So first thing, before we look into Scripture, let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us like you do. Your love is deep and wide and full and rich and strong, and we're grateful to you for it. Lord, I pray for my friends scattered around our community now, not gathered together, but in our own places, in our own homes with our family, uh, maybe by ourselves, but and maybe just engaging in the whole group all by ourselves, and yet you're with us. And so, Lord, I'm grateful for that. I pray that you would speak today through me. I pray that you would do your work through me. I pray that you would shape every one of us and that we would sense your grace, your pleasure, your healing, and the confidence that comes only from you in our souls, in our hearts today. Lord, we come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last summer, we went through a turbulent time together as a church. There was a lot of upheaval. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of fear about what's coming next and what's going to happen. And we had to walk through that together as a church. Today, I look at our church and I go, wow, we're healthy and strong. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Early last summer, our leadership team went away for a retreat to pray together, to think through scripture together, to think through God's desires for us as a church And one of the things we sat down and talked through was what would it look like if our church were successful? Now, I know success is sort of a a human term. It's something that our world likes to look at. And and maybe we don't think of it often uh, as a church. And yet Jesus called us to be faithful and he called us to be fruitful, to bring forth fruit, to be able to do things that were good in his name. And 
And somehow we define those things as success. Now, there are certain things that every church does to be successful, like bring the gospel to others. Tell others the good news of Jesus. If, if you're not doing that, really, are you a church? Are you doing what God calls you to do or calls us to do as a church? Growing people up spiritually. If we're not doing that, we're not really being successful as a church. Engaging our community. If we're not engaged in our community, if we're not bringing the influence of Christ into our community, are we really being the church? Now, those are things that everyone does. Every church does or is called to do. And we, we said, okay, we're going to do those things, but is there anything else that God calls us, Lakeside, to be about in this world and in this community and with one another? And we came up with some things that we said, these are the things that matter. These are the things for us as a church that we're called to. And so late last summer, I went away on my own retreat and I began planning out the series for this year. And one of the series that I wrote down to start this spring was a series called The Church at Its Best. And that's the series we're going to start today. It's been in the works for most of a year. But we're coming to it today at this really unusual time, this unique time in our nation's history and in our community's history and in our church's history. We have never seen anything like this in the history of the church as we've lived it. And now we're living it and we're asking, God, what do you want to do to make us succeed as a church? And I would love to be gathering with you in the midst of this. I can't wait to be back to be with you because some of you will look at it and you'll say, well, Man, the church can never be at its best if we're not meeting together. And yet one of the funny things is when we sat down to say, what defines a church at its best? We didn't write down uh, what the church looks like on Sunday morning or what the church looks like when it gathers on Saturday night. We think gathering's important. We think gathering online is important or gathering in person is important. But it wasn't on our list. Of course, it's, it's something that churches do. But the fact that we can't be together in person, in the flesh these days, doesn't mean we can't be successful as a church. In fact, I believe that God might be doing remarkable things, new things, different things in his church and through us than he's ever done before. And so I wanna lean into this question, what does the church look like when it's at its best? So if you have your copy of scripture, why don't you open it up and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you have your copy, uh, if you have your smartphone and you want to look on version, you can do that. We've got notes that are put out there with the scriptures and some other things to make note of. You can take advantage of that and follow along. Let me read for you what the Apostle Peter says to the church that was scattered throughout the Roman Empire in his generation. And then let's see how it applies to us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Let's just start with this. The church at its best lives as carriers of hope. The church is at its best when it lives as carriers of hope. In Peter's day, there was tremendous suffering. There was a lot of disease everywhere throughout the Roman Empire, and it would wipe out populations. It would wipe out communities. It would wipe out villages. And so fear developed. In Peter's generation, 
Politics was a mess. The political world was a mess. And so there was fear. There was there was concern. There was worry over what was going to happen to our community, what was going to happen to our family. For one thing, Rome, the government in Rome, the emperor, didn't approve of the king that the followers of Jesus wanted to worship. See, they wanted to worship Christ. They said he rose from the grave and they wanted to worship him. But that didn't make the emperor very happy. And so he put pressure on the Jesus followers not to follow Jesus. So Peter says, when he writes to this group of Christians around the empire, he says, don't be afraid. And in fact, he uses two words. He says, don't be afraid and don't be frightened. The word frightened is a word that refers to acute emotional or mental distress. It's caused by turbulence. You ever been on a flight when there was turbulence? When you drop suddenly so fast and so far that you thought if you weren't strapped in, your head would hit the ceiling of the plane? It always causes fear. And I've been on a few flights like that where people are holding on white knuckling to the armrest that they've wiped down with their... With their uh, uh, antibacterial uh, towels, you know, and, but they're holding on tight because they're afraid they're going to drop out of the sky. That's the thing that causes the fear that Peter's describing. It's this time of terrible mental and emotional distress for the church in that generation. People were frightened. They were frightened about their families and their jobs and their future. And then you look at us today and people are frightened for their families and their jobs and their future. They're frightened for their church. Something about not being able to touch each other. There's something as followers of Christ, not being able to touch one another, that leaves us shaken. There's something about not being able to be, as we would talk about Jesus, not being able to be incarnational in the flesh that gives us a certain amount of distress being separated from our extended family, being, being separated from our friends at work. It's turbulence. And COVID-19 has brought that kind of turbulence into our world. Turbulence like we haven't seen since 9-11. Turbulence that has caused the church to not meet for longer periods than we've ever seen in our lifetime. Peter writes to the church in his generation. He says, can I give you a couple things? so that you know how to live in this season, so that you know how to succeed as Christ's church in this season? Two things, he says. Number one, revere Christ as Lord in your hearts. That's a, there's a political perspective there, perspective there. Peter is talking about the government. He's saying, hey, I want you to honor the government. Listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, same letter that he's writing to the church. He says this, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. He's saying, look, you Jesus followers, lean into the government, submit to the government, even the emperor and even the governor that he sends. First Peter chapter two, verse 17, he says this, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Those are some amazing statements from a religious leader, a Christian leader, giving us marching orders in terms of how we relate to the government officials around us. And then he says in chapter three, verse 15, which we've already read, but in your heart set apart Christ 
as Lord. Now, you may read that as a religious statement, but that's a political statement. Set apart for yourselves Christ as Lord. Christ is the Hebrew word, it's, it's the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. Messiah was the name of the king of Israel. Lord is the, is the same word that they would call the emperor. Lord was king, Lord was majesty, Lord was master. And Peter says, hey, I want you to honor the king. I want you to obey the emperor, but I also want to remind you that you set apart Christ as Lord, Christ as king. There's a political perspective to what Peter's calling us to do. And then he says, and let me give you a spiritual perspective on the same thing. He says, in this season with new patterns, he would say to us today, in this season with new patterns, when you have to stay at home, when you have to practice social distancing, whoever would have thought that the world would practice social distancing when we long to be together. He says, in this season, Make it your daily practice to remind yourselves that Jesus is our king. Honor the emperor, but remember, every day, remind yourself that Jesus is our king. Set apart, revere Christ as Lord in your hearts. And then he says this, and get ready to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, the church is at its best when followers of Jesus are carriers of hope. The church is at its best when we are carriers of hope. The great fear right now, of course, is that we might become carriers of the coronavirus, that we might be carriers of COVID-19. Like nobody wants to be a carrier. Nobody wants to be the one who causes someone else, maybe an elderly relative who causes them to be sick. Nobody wants that. But Peter says, but I I would like you to be a carrier of some kind. I I would like you to be a carrier of something that's contagious, of something that's compelling, of something that can change the world. I would like you to be carriers of hope. We're on home assignment right now to limit the effects of carrying the coronavirus. But what if we saw ourselves like Jesus sees us? What if we saw ourselves as carriers of hope? And to do that, what if we would just remember to remind ourselves every day that Jesus is our king and then to get ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us? See, if Jesus is king, we have hope. We have amazing, astounding hope. But if that's true, how do, we, how do we carry that to others? How do we get that out to others? So let me ask you a question. Would you be able to articulate why the gospel is good news? If you've been following Jesus for very long, you probably know the word gospel literally means good news. Do you know how you would be able to articulate that good news to someone else or specifically why it's good news to you? There's a word in the Christian world that it's called apologetics. It's actually the word that Peter uses here when he says, give a reason. It's about apologetics. And sometimes we've taken that to be very scientific and very philosophical and very orderly in our defense of the gospel. But all he's really asking you is, can you tell somebody else why you have hope in Jesus? 
why you're hopeful because of Jesus. Could you just tell them the reason why? I've been reading in my own devotions lately through the Gospel of John, and this week I came to John chapter 9. John chapter 9 tells the story primarily of a blind man. He was blind from birth. He grew up and he'd been blind for decades. And Jesus comes along to him and he says, I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to be able to help you see. And so he spits on the ground. It happens to be a Sabbath day. He spits on the ground. He stirs up the, the saliva with the dirt. It makes mud. He takes the mud. He slaps it on the guy's eye, on his eyes. And I... Uh, Suddenly, the man, he, he sends this man to this pool called Siloam. When the, the man gets there, he washes his eyes out, and he can see. I always think it's probably a good thing that he couldn't see when Jesus was spitting and making mud and putting in his eye. But then he gets down to the pool of Siloam. He washes it, and he's able to see. And it's a miracle. It's amazing. The blind man can now see. You didn't have to give him a reason for why he had hope in Christ. He knew why he had hope in Christ. In fact, the Pharisees called him in. The chief priests called him in because they were unhappy because Jesus did this whole miracle thing, the making of mud and then healing this man's eyes. He did it on a Sabbath day and it ticked him off. And they, they called in the blind man who could now see and they said, hey, t- tell us about this Jesus. And he said, he's amazing. He healed me. And they said, no, we don't think he's amazing. We don't think someone who's following God would do such a thing on the Sabbath day. And the man who was formerly known as the blind man said, well, that's rather amazing, isn't it? I don't know whether Jesus is good or bad. All I know is that I used to be blind and now I can see. He knew why he had hope in Christ. And he was able to articulate it to somebody else. He was able to explain it to somebody else. When Peter wrote, he also had some reasons why he had hope in Christ. So for example, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He goes, that's why I have hope. He gave me an inheritance. He gave me life. He gave me new birth. I'm in. A little bit later in uh, chapter one, verse eight, he says this, though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are, rec- for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He goes, hey, try this one on for size. See if this doesn't articulate the hope that you have in Christ. And then over in chapter two, verse nine, he says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a royal, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. My friends, there's hope there. Whatever else you see around you, whatever fear might come because of the turbulence of this time and of this world and of this disease, there's hope there because Jesus brings us out of darkness into his glorious light. That's amazing. What's your reason? 
What's your reason for the hope that lies within you? How can you articulate what it is about you that you would say, this is why I have hope in Christ. You don't have to know all the philosophical arguments. You don't know about the, you don't have to know about the ontological argument or the cosmological argument or the teleological argument for the existence of God. You don't have to know it. You only have to know, this is my expression of my faith and my hope in what Jesus has done for me. And you probably can't use the expression from the blind man in John chapter nine, you probably can't say, oh, I used to be blind, but now I can see. But you can say one of the things that Peter said, you can say, Jesus transferred me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Amen. The church is at its best when we are carriers of hope. You can use one of Peter's statements. I've got them listed for you in the YouVersion app so you can see those statements that Peter made. Or you can write your own statement and say, this is why I have hope in Christ. I want to leave you with two things, two applications of this calling to be carriers of hope, a negative application and a positive application. Because here's the deal, hope leaks and I might even add to it, hope leaks every day. And from a negative perspective, say it this way, hope leaks every day. That means I need to remind myself again that Christ is Lord in my heart. I need to set apart Christ as Lord in my heart because hope leaks out of my soul every day. The turbulence does that to us. But look at it from a positive perspective. Hope leaks Every day, when you're filling your tank with hope, when you're filling your life with this concept, this faith that Jesus is the Messiah and the Messiah is my Lord, when you're filling your tank with that, it's going to leak on the people around you. They're going to notice that you have hope in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their being frightened, in the midst of their crazy, upside down, turbulent world. They're going to look at you and they're going to say, wow, you have hope. Would you mind telling me why? And when they ask you why, you'll be able to tell them like Peter did and like the blind man did, you'll be able to tell them why you have hope. The church at its best, Christ's followers at our best are carriers of hope. May that be us. Jesus, I pray for us today. We need you. In this crazy world, we need you. And Lord, even better, we want you. We want your hope. We want your life. We want your truth. We want your joy. So Lord, in all these things, lead us. Lead us forward to trust you and to follow after you and to become carriers of hope every single day. May we remind ourselves every single day that you are our king. Lord, thank you. We love you. We come to you again, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you again for listening. I just want to encourage and remind you again that these are the times that we as Christ followers get to shine and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Rest assured that his promises will never fail us and that he is in control. I would also love to invite you one more time to check out one of our live streams this weekend. We believe that community is important, and these live streams are a great way to connect with your family and friends and worship God while we are all at home. Have a great week. Go with God.